This podcast is brought to you by Crisp. It is a software that automatically mutes background noise in any communication app. No more embarrassing dog barks, traffic noises, crying babies, and family chatters when you're doing your calls from home or the nearby cafe. With Crisp, those noises will be muted and your caller will not be able to hear any of them. Not only is it able to remove background noises, it can also even remove the ones coming from your caller. So all you get is high-quality audio without the distractions. Crisp supports any devices and over 800 apps such as Zoom, Teams and WebEx. Try out the world's best AI-powered noise-cancelling technology for free. Simply go to adriantan.com.sg crisp to get started. This podcast is brought to you by Grammarly. Compose bold, clear, mistake-free writing with Grammarly's AI-powered writing assistant. With Grammarly, your grammar will be perfect every time, whether it is a business proposal, emails or your resumes. It automatically points out grammatical mistakes and provides a one-click feature to make that correction for you. From grammar and spelling to style and tone, Grammarly helps you eliminate errors and find the perfect words to express yourself. Grammarly works on Gmail, Twitter, LinkedIn and all your favourite websites. It even works on your phone and tablet too. Now everyone can be a great writer and write brilliantly. Get started for free and find out what you can accomplish with the power of Grammarly at your fingertips. Go to adriantan.com.sg slash Grammarly to download Grammarly onto your devices today. Welcome to the Adrian Tan Show. This is my podcast where I have deep conversations with the people who are enabling organizations to become ready for the future of work. My guests include a mindfulness coach, the folks behind Singapore's most popular investment app, and many more. They all have one thing in common, and that is to level up your organizations through your people. Welcome to episode 30. My guest today is Josie Stoker. She's the co-founder and CEO at Capture. Capture is a B2B SaaS company that enables companies to engage a planet-friendly workforce. They even have a version for individuals, a Fitbit for your carbon footprint. They were founded on the Antler program in Singapore in quarter 3, 2019. Born in Britain, Josie has spent the last seven years in Asia, including time in Southeast Asia and Mongolia where she worked alongside indigenous communities to bring their knowledge to corporate leadership team. Having seen firsthand the effect of climate change today, she became passionate about empowering people to turn eco-anxiety into eco-action, and is excited about the role technology can play in supporting everyday people in their ambition to take climate action. Please welcome my guest, Josie Stoker. Hi Josie, thank you for coming on to the show. Thank you very much for having me. It's great to be here. You're most welcome. Perhaps you could start by telling us a bit about the Capture Club. What is it and what problem are you trying to solve? Yes, absolutely. So we co-founded Capture around the middle of 2019. When we got started, we were really looking at the problem whereby a lot of people care about climate change, but don't really know what to do, where to start, you know, what impact one person can make. And really, we're making decisions you know, blind when it comes to, to, to climate change. So, for example, if you were to, to pick up a packet of you know, sweets or candy you know, from a supermarket shelf, you, you'd know what the sugar content would be. You know, you'd be making an informed decision. What we find when it comes to everyday actions and, and the climate impact, 
impact. There's very little information easily available to individuals. So we started out by thinking, what if we could create some kind of an app or a tool to help people who care about the climate to take action? And um, it's been called a Fitbit for your carbon footprint. So that was our, that was our B2C product that we launched in January of this year. Now, obviously, being a startup, we're always looking for, you know, for, for further opportunities. And what we found is throughout the year, a lot of businesses got in touch with us saying, hey, I've downloaded the app. Could we use this with our employees? Because we are engaging our employees in sustainability and, 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 and such things. So we've developed Capture for Teams, which is now our, our actually our main service. So, you know, although we look like a B2C, we're actually a B2B SaaS. Working with organizations is our, is our main area of business and we help them to engage a planet-friendly workforce and the specific strategy we use to reach those companies is called product-led growth, right? So we have our free version of the Capture app. It's available to download around the world. And we get, you know, obviously the, the aim is for, for inbound inquiries from organizations that have seen the free version of our app. When did you first get exposed to sustainability and what really interests you at a point in time that got you to go on to this journey to where you are right now? So in my in my previous role, I was working with indigenous communities and spent some time living in uh, Mongolia and some other remote places. And what we would do is we would invite senior leaders from the business world to come out and spend time with you know communities living very close to nature. Or we would invite elders into the boardroom um, to give workshops about you know leadership, and it was it was awesome. But a lot of the communities that I had um, exposure to were already being affected by climate change, whether that was through droughts, floods, you know, fires or really extreme winters. And when I was at school, I mean, I don't know about your listeners, but I always felt like climate change was something that was going to happen in the future. Like I knew it was coming, but I didn't think it was, you know, here quite yet. And obviously, you know, having spent time with people living very close to nature, I realised that, you know, the train has very much left the station. Like it is, you know, we were already seeing the effects of this. And I I was looking at, I think, like a lot of people do when they first find out about this, well, what can I do? You know, what, what, what changes can I make? I came across this website called Shame Plain, which shows you how much Arctic ice your flights melt. And uh, yeah, I was just you know blown away and um, was very keen to to create you know tech that would make it a lot easier for people you know to understand what what they can do and also do it from probably less of a shaming perspective, but more of a you know positive, satisfying perspective as well. I personally have actually downloaded and tried your app as you have recommended some time back, and it's quite intuitive and really easy to use. But for listeners that may not be familiar, could you describe to them how a typical user will be going through this app? For sure. So for our consumer users, so let's say if, if a member of the public was to, to download the app, if you search Carbon Footprint Tracker in your app stores, you, you should find us there. And now what the app does for our individual users is it will help you to, first of all, calculate your baseline carbon footprint and then set yourself a monthly target. Now, we create the monthly targets by minusing 7.6% from your baseline. Now, the reason that we chose 7.6% is that's the amount by which we would need to decrease emissions year on year between now and 2030 to meet the 1.5 degree warming targets. And what we wanted to do is just make that 7.6% personal for you. You know, so no matter where you're starting from, if you can just decrease by 7.6% year on year, you know, you'll, you'll be making a great start. So that's how we calculate that, that monthly target. 
Now, what happens next? So we help individuals track emissions from just two elements of their life right now. Obviously, we want to do more in the future. But the first that we've started with have been travel and dietary choices. So when it comes to tracking emissions from travel, we built a GPS algorithm that means that you don't need to enter in all of your journeys. You know, that's very tiresome and people are probably going to forget, right? So we've created an algorithm that looks at how a user is moving and then predicts the journey mode and how long they were on that journey mode for, right? So you'll see kind of a little diary entry of, you know, car, 10 minutes, bus, 12 minutes, you know, walking, jogging, things like that. It'll all fill up automatically to so be able to see um, the breakdown of your emissions on a monthly basis. So that's sort of, you know, it kind of tracking in your pocket as you go along and what your emissions are. There are a couple of other features for individuals. So you can choose to offset if you would like to do that on a monthly basis. And we also have a learning section in there as well with loads of articles on climate change and the latest news on climate change and sustainability and tips that you can do. So that's for individuals. And then obviously we've got our, our added service teams. We have right now the ability to create you know, branded secure team areas and um, for organisations within the app. And then their employees are able to join and take part in sustainability challenges. We've got leaderboards in there and we sort of gamify the, the process for, for companies too. Trying to get an individual to get buy-in when it comes to sustainability or, or things related to climate change uh, would definitely be very different from trying to get a buy-in from an organization. Based on your experience, what are the key differences that you have seen and what are the key challenges? Yes, I think it's... It's very important for an organization working with somebody like us and wanting to get their employees involved in sustainability. It's very important for them to have first figured out what they're going to do as a company, you know. So, you know, before asking your employees to to think about, you know, using a little more public transport, you know, when they're when they're commuting to work, it's perhaps thinking about, you know, what are you doing as you know as an organization on the you know logistics side or your supply chain side first, you know. So so what we tend to see is the organizations we work with, first of all, they you know, they, they tend to already have, you know, a net zero commitment you know carbon neutrality commitment and they've done you know some good groundwork themselves um, on their own organization before then turning to their employees and, and and asking them to get involved too so i think that that's very important there was you know we see a, you know quite a wide variety of individual differences when it comes to this issue and sort of you know people caring and i think you know that that's partly because climate change is still quite a new topic you know like as, as i mentioned like i learned about it when i was in school i think it must have been like one or two hours you know, out of an entire education, and this was a while ago, right? So it's not actually a concept that that people are generally that familiar with. So you can see really, you know, quite a wide variety of individual differences when it comes to, you know, how concerned people are. But in general, you know, that concern, you know, across ages is is indeed growing. For organisations that are truly unenlightened, what would you tell them to encourage them to really take a look or a second look uh, at what you're trying to do and how climate change may help them because for many business owners to them it's all about bottom line so how would tracking of carbon footprint actually help them in their businesses absolutely yes i think the the, the important thing to to look at here is that obviously you know saving the world aside and and indeed for many that that that's reason enough alone right but, but of course you know especially you know small businesses well all businesses indeed you know, need to focus on the bottom line i think you can now make very clear arguments that that link 
you know, positive sustainability action back to that. And and we sort of divide it into, sort of, there, there are a bunch of reasons, obviously, to, you know, to start considering this. One is indeed that products marketed as sustainable grew 5.6 times faster than those that weren't sustainable in 2019. This was some research by Harvard Business Review showing that, you know, consumers you know, are really after sustainable products. So you know, if you can label your, your, your good as sustainable, obviously, you know, making sure that that is done so properly, but in Indeed, that will, in general, help you um, market to customers. We also know that investors, you know, are becoming much more aware about, you know, ESG criteria. So indeed, you know, you might find that you're having pressure from, from the board, pressure from your investors around this. We know that your, your competitors are doing it as well. You know, there are so many large companies now that have pledged carbon neutrality, you know, whether that's like Amazon, Sky, Microsoft, Google, Starbucks, AstraZeneca, Volkswagen, like there's a, there's a huge, huge growing list of, of companies companies that have made big pledges on this so I think it's just as just as much about not being left out and not being on the on the wrong side of history when it comes to this movement so you've got being able to market your goods you've got keeping investors happy you've got keeping up with the competition and then finally and this is the area that we focus on more at Capture it's the fact that 70% of millennials said that if a company had a strong sustainability plan, it would affect their decision to stay. So chances are this is a matter, this is a this is a topic that really matters to your workforce. So you've got so many good arguments really for for you know starting to take this issue seriously. That's really interesting knowing that millennials would have other criteria uh, over just money in choosing where to look at, where to join, and most importantly, whether they want to stay in the company or not. And going on to the, the, the situation we are in right now, we're obviously going through COVID-19, and I do understand that the Capture Club is actually based in Singapore, but you are currently in UK. So how did that happen? Yes, absolutely. So it's a bit of a long and sorry story, really. So I'd actually been living and living and working in Asia for the past seven years, right? And I had a three month trip to San Francisco planned for, when was it? For March. I was like, right, well, I'll stop over in the UK. Obviously, you know, trying to travel consciously. I thought if I'm coming over to the UK, I may as well stop and see family and try and like minimize my total number of flights. But anyhow, the day before I was supposed to be heading off to the US, the borders closed. So I've basically been somewhat stuck here for, for the whole of 2020. So it was like a bit of an unexpected return home. But yeah, I mean, as I say, you know, it's been it's been going really well. The whole team have been remote. So it's been nice. I mean, there, there have been so many benefits. You know, we've, we've really been, I think, from the beginning, a, a kind of global first focused business. You know, we, we put something out that's available around the world. And we've really just been watching very carefully as also to where demand is coming from. Being in the UK certainly has its advantages in the sense of, you know, getting Asia time zones in the morning and US time zones in the evening. So that's also been quite nice. But, but yeah, we're managing, you know, managing well as remote and it'll help us to sort of, we'll be hiring remote as well. So you've got, you know, obviously a really, a really big talent pool to, to choose from too. And I, overall, it's been a positive for us. Has there been any key moments in your journey with the Capture Club that reinforced that you're on the right track? It's it's been the inbound inquiries that have been really exciting for us. I think, and this is like a well-known, you know, tagline from from Y Combinator, is it, you've got to make sure that you're building something that people want. And especially when it comes to sustainability, there's a tendency to look at all the things that we need. And if you're building a business in this area, you can't just look at the things people need. You've got to look at the things that people actually want to use. 
So to be receiving, you know, inbound inquiries from organizations saying, hey, I saw your app, I saw your website, which, you know, by the way, you know, as a bit of a disclaimer, you know, they're fine, but they're not as polished as they would be. I mean, you know, we've, we've only been going, you know, a little while. So to, to be receiving inbound inquiries from, you know, big brand names saying that they are looking for a tool and then to get our first customers, you know, over the line just recently, that's been really, really exciting for us. So, so yeah, so, and also to have that happen despite, you know, despite everything that's been going on this year has been really encouraging. For your entrepreneurship journey as a female founder, have you found it to be a bit different, a bit unique compared to a male founder-led company? Has there been any form of challenges that you think are unique to female founder? It's one of those ones where it's probably quite hard for me to say because I haven't had any other experience myself, you know. So it's I think it's it's the case for all of us, right? Like we only know kind of what what we've experienced firsthand. Yeah, I mean, there you know there have certainly been challenges. I mean, it, you know, it is a fact that you know a, a, a fraction of the percentage of, of of funds that are invested to companies go to female founders. So you know, you do sometimes get the feeling speaking to investors, it's like, have you ever invested in a in a, in a woman led business before? And it, it certainly is a question in the back of my mind. No, I would say overall, I've been I've been very fortunate. So the position that I'm in, you know, has given me, you know, I guess you know fairly easy conditions you know in terms of you know, not, you know I don't have to juggle childcare. you know I've got a, you know, a partner that's super supportive so but yeah I definitely know that you know for for other female founders you know some of the questions that they've been asked by investors questions that you know very likely would not be asked to you know a male co-founder so yeah it's it's definitely not easy for us in general when it comes to trying to reduce the carbon footprint, what's your key advice for people who are new to this as an individual? What's the first thing or the key thing that they could cut that could perhaps lead to a drastic reduction of their, of their carbon footprint? What's your thought on the kind of steps, the key steps that an individual could take to try to gain that highest margin or highest percentage of gain? Absolutely. Well, so I would first of all say, you know, Overall, when when you're entering this area, it can be quite intimidating, you know, in the sense that there, there is sort of this feeling that, you know, you have to be perfect. And, you know, if you kind of like forget your reusable bag one day and use a plastic bag, you failed. Or if you're not vegan, you're you're not doing things perfectly. So I would first of all say, don't be too hard on yourself. You know, just start, start by doing what you can. There are certainly quite a few myths around, you know, being more sustainable, like, for example, that it's that it's more expensive or that it's it's really difficult. And indeed, there are some things that, that are more expensive and, and and, and difficult but but the majority of actions that you can take as an individual are relatively easy and and could also help save you money as well so in terms of like big big ticket impacts items when it comes to your personal carbon footprint so that those would be classed as the emissions related to your lifestyle choices things like diet choices travel choices home energy usage one of the one of the biggest things that you can do is to look at your flights and to and to reduce some flights when you can so to, to put things in perspective if you were to take a return flight from Singapore to Bangkok your emissions would be around 0.5 tons now if you switched your diet to a vegetarian diet you could for an entire year you could reduce your emissions by 0.9 tons so you can sort of think about a whole year's effort of being vegetarian as in you know then saving 0.9 tons versus one return flight from Singapore to Bangkok with 0.5 tons you can, you can kind of see flights really do wipe out in a way a, a lot of other efforts you know 
that, that are important too. So yeah, flights are the first thing I would look at. And then, you know, of course, the second thing that's, that's also really important is then looking at your diet. So cutting out meat could also be really, really helpful. You know, obviously there's been you know, a bunch of campaigns around this. But I think a, a, what a lot of people don't realize is you know, how inefficient it is to, to eat meat. And there's something around 80% of all corn and grain in grown in the US actually goes to feed animals, not humans. And indeed, 75% of deforestation in the Amazon has been linked to the meat industry because, you know, animals need to eat, you know, food as well. So in many cases, it's a lot more efficient for us just to eat, eat the grains, eat the vegetables ourselves. But as I say, it's not about being, you know, absolutely perfect, becoming vegan overnight by any means. Just looking at sort of simple things that you can do on a daily basis are really helpful. But of course, alongside all of this, there is this kind of big question around individual difference, sorry, individual changes versus systemic changes. And there's plenty of other things that we can do, such as looking at where our money is invested, you know, looking at sort of things like indeed, you know, which companies we choose to work at as well. So there's there's plenty more that we can do both on an individual level and on a and on a systemic level as well. I think as a consumer, it would also be good for us to be mindful of the kind of money that we're putting into different companies. This uh, question actually came from an emission poll that w- was actually released by Shell uh, and they were actually roasted online for gaslighting consumer. Are uh, you willing to share with the listener what that poll is about? Yes. So so Shell asked the question of, of, of what would individuals be willing to do to reduce their carbon footprint? And I think this is a classic example of sort of what I, what I mentioned earlier, where, you know, a large organization, perhaps in the in the eyes of consumers, have not taken you know enough steps to really, you know, address address climate change. You know, then are sort of asking their customers, what, what would they do? And it's a very delicate balance here. And as I say, it's always best as an organization to really um, have it together when it comes to your own you know climate change policies before then sort of reflecting back on individuals whether that's your employees or whether that's your customers on on what they can do and what's next on the roadmap for the business as we move into 2021 Absolutely. So, so we'll be growing our team. So we'll be looking to to make a few key hires early, early next year, which will be really exciting. And then just building out our service. You know, we, we know that, that what we're offering to organizations right now is in demand, but there's plenty of other things that would be helpful there as well. So we'll be building out our, our services to be more helpful to organizations looking to build and engage a planet-friendly workforce. And you can imagine, right, there's a, there's a, a bunch of other things that we can do alongside these, these sustainability challenges that, that we've gotten started with. So it should be very exciting next year to grow and build our team and then to sort of grow and and expand on on some of the initial work that we've done with our clients as well once the borders are open would you be coming back to singapore or would you be just running the show from uk I don't know. It's 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 been something that I've like thought a lot about this year. Like I have to say now, what are we? We're in early December recording this, and um, the weather is getting to me. You know, the the four p.m. darkness is getting to me. So I'm quite tempted to go back for some sunshine. But but no, I think for now, it's certainly for the next few years, I'll be based in the UK and just getting you let's say a good routine established. And and it's quite nice because you know we've got that US connection now that we're that we're building. So it's great to be able to do that. And you know, got to get a puppy like everybody else in the UK this year. So so, uh, so that'll be nice too. <laughs> For people who's interested to learn more, where can they go to? For sure. So you can go to our website, which is thecapture.club. And then you can also find the free to use uh, basic version of our app by going to the App Store or via Google Play and searching for Carbon Footprint Tracker. And you should find us up there as number one. 
and links to the app as well as to the website will be placed in the show notes. Josie, once again, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Lovely conversation with you and I wish you continued success with your journey with the Capture Club. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. You can refer to the show notes for links to more information about our guests and their businesses. If you enjoyed this podcast, it would be helpful to give a review on iTunes or follow me on Spotify. If you're using Overcast, please hit the star button under the episode. That will help get this episode and podcast out to more people who may find it useful. I'll see you in the next episode of The Agent Han Show.